Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a mom, vegan of 20 years, and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy. And I turn to Athletic Greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA Cycling and Endurance Athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy, and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning, and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga. That's athleticgreens.com slash lit yoga and get lit up. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined by my fellow PT, lit senior teacher, extraordinary, amazing human being, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Thank you so much. (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Uh, As always, we are looking forward to answering these questions. Laura, you're going to start off today, right? Yes, I am. This is from, and this is, I, it's from Burke. Bursiuldis. <laughs> There's it's like a lot of a lot of U's and a lot of Z's. Anyway, I have pain between somewhere Terry's major and armpit. Help. Uh I'm I'm impressed this person said Terry's major, so I'm I'm assuming they have an idea of their body. Um for those who don't know where Terry's major is, it's known as the little brother of the latissimus dorsi, which is that big a big the biggest back muscle attaching from the pelvis to the shoulder. And the teres mus- major runs like right alongside it, acting in the same manner so it does the same actions. If you're experiencing pain between that area, so that would be like almost on the side of the back, upper back, 
into the armpit. My guess is, uh, if I were to guess, and again, we can't ever really know unless you're in front of us, but my guess is it's your subscapularis um, because that is a muscle that tends to have a lot of trigger points. And the subscapularis is right underneath the um, scapula, and it it is an internal rotator, which teres major and latissimus dorsi also are. So if you're, for instance, if you're rounding a little bit in your shoulders, you're in an internally rotated position, you're pulling on that. And so that area could be shortened because it's uh, the, the motion of the shoulder and the attachment at the scapula are being shortened in a concentric position, even though you're not activating it per se. And so it could be the opposite. You can have a lengthened muscle like your upper trapezius. But so if it's not kind of at the resting muscle tone and length, there's going to be, um, there could be possibly some tenderness, soreness, um, and then pain associated with it. So the subscapularis is getting essentially shortened. And for a lot of people, there's some great trigger points there. So the first thing I would always say is, you know, A, you should see somebody because that should help, especially if this is pain and you're experiencing it. Because a lot of times it's mechanics, it's posture. um, Because if your posture isn't great, that means you aren't setting your shoulder up to move well. And then you're not setting that subscapularis up to kind of be at rest when it needs to be at rest and come in when it needs to be activating. It's a very important muscle for also giving your scapula stability, dynamic stability um, with actions anytime you have your um, weight bearing on your hand. So you need that because if it's not firing well, just because it's shortened in a shortened position doesn't mean it's firing well. It often isn't. Um, If it's not firing well, then you can be calling in your pecs. So in, in other words, you're reinforcing the very thing that's probably gotten you there, which is imbalance in your daily life posture. So go see somebody. They can do some myofascial work there. Work on strengthening your upper back, your rotator cuff, these other scapula muscles that'll probably get your scapula more in neutral. So if you're having pain there, often you're in an abducted or downward rotated position of the scapula, and that's burdening all that stuff in the in the pit area, I call it. So when I do a lot of pit work, myofascial work, free that up and then really work on the upper back strengthening. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just to your point, Laura, I would recommend seeing somebody because it could be something completely different too. You know, we're looking at where the pain is. It could be, it could be something in the mid-back that's referring over there. It could be a rib torque. Um, you know, there's a, it could even be something down in your pelvis, believe it or not, that you're, you're miss you're, you're not working very well. You're not very well balanced. And so, you know, why is that side getting either overworking or why is it underperforming, you know, uh, and, and causing pain? So, you know, what you didn't give us, you know, very much information is I have pain here. So, you know, when do you have the pain? Um, what increases the pain? What decreases the pain? Does the position of your neck affect the pain? Does the position of your spine affect the pain. Um, so uh, it definitely requires either in, you know, more information and a global, a global look. Um, because I, trust me, I've had subscap stuff and it definitely feels like that for sure. And getting in there and getting soft tissue can be the game changer, but it also might be something 
something else. And so without having eyes and hands on, but certainly make sure that you, you know, speak with someone, get someone's eyes on you, um, and uh, just to get a bigger picture. So we are left with more information and not just where the pain is located because we don't like to chase pain. Okay, I will go. That was a great question. I will um, start with our next question here from our friend Rita. So Rita says, I noticed a significant difference in my ability to engage the muscles around my right shoulder blade. This kind of goes right in. And the armpit, here we go. Um, like delayed firing all the way along my right arm from hand to scapula. I recently got into rowing and it hit me that basically my blade on the right side stayed over the water nine out of 10 and was not an issue on the left side at all. It gave me the sensation that despite the message I was sending my brain, it was just not getting through to the arm. I went through my regular activities. I wonder if any of the following could contribute to this. Slight Deputrin's contracture, especially under the middle finger, intensive use of computer keyboard and mouse for years, playing a keyboard instrument. Am I on the right track? I practice lit six, day, six days a week, mainly with the two of you. What would you suggest to rebalance my shoulders and improve the firing speed? So, so anybody that's wondering about the contracture, it's like where the tendon, the fascia surrounding it starts to shorten it. So it the second or third finger kind of like come in like a, what would that be? Like Spock? Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, a little, like a claw hand. Yeah. Like it's like a, a little yeah. claw. So it's harder to weight bear through the metacarpals in the same way that you would normally do. And so if that's a little bit of an issue, certainly that could contribute along with, you know, not having full wrist flexibility. If you're, you know, typing a lot, uh, Nonetheless, I would say it still goes back to the stability in the scapula and shoulder. So it sounds like you're on the right track and keep mobilizing the hand, spreading the fascia and working the wrist extension. Also, the forearms, make sure that they can it can spin. You know, you've got two bones and unlike the two bones of our lower legs that don't spin, these spin and there needs to be some freeness in the fascia between the two bones so that we can also take that up into the shoulder and it and it won't feel like we're stuck in a non-neutral shoulder position. But I think I think you kind of have it, Rita, which is it's wiring and it's just getting there. And it, just like with everything, it takes time. You know, it takes time for the brain to like be soaked enough that it becomes automatic. It automatically comes on when you're performing an activity. And the weight bearing and lit um, you probably have noticed, has probably helped, I would imagine, because that's really a, a quick source of connection to the brain and all the muscles surrounding the shoulder complex. Do you have any? Yeah. No, I would just uh, recommend maybe having a rowing coach look at your rowing technique, because um, certainly you're talking about the contracture. You're talking about years of using a computer and now you're rowing, which again, you see, I mean, they, they, they want a neutral wrist, but you're flexed up in those fingers, you know, and they, and they want you to use the, you know, the hips and are you, are you, are you, I mean, rowing in and of itself is not a balanced 
especially if you're on a, you know, only on one side, it is not a balanced exercise form. So um, it would depend on if you're on one side or if you're the, the you know, two-handed, but I would really have someone look at your technique as well to see if they can see it there. But I 100% agree with you, Laura, the weight bearing, everything you've been doing in lit is counterbalancing what you've done all your life and are now picking up as a new exercise form. Um, but it is amazing when we pick up something new, how our body tells that story and you don't realize, oh my gosh, it's so hard for me to tap into this right side. I didn't realize it because rowing is more open chain. You know, a lot of yoga is closed chain. So you get way more feedback, but you get in a rowing position. Suddenly you don't have that weighted ground reaction force to feel through. So now you're trying to do it in this open, people talk to me all, you know, all the time. They'll be like, Kristen, I can feel my shoulder blades here, but I can't, you know, once I get my arms up or I, they have no idea where they are in space. And so that is not uncommon. Um, but yeah, check with a rowing coach and then just be patient with your, with your body and uh, see if you can't create a little more balance. Yeah. And again, this is also a coordination of muscle firing with rowing, which is a new dimension, right? So you're, you're asking, you do have to go against water, so you have some resistance, and then out of water, but it's a coordinated effort to fire in the kind of sequencing you would like them to fire, where you have both dynamic stability of the scapula, and you have some good pulling um, with the arms. So I would say, give it some time, keep it up, and have fun. Okay, I have another shoulder question. This is never planned, so it's kind of funny when this... uh, works out. This is from No Place Like Ohm on Instagram, Uh, Danielle. Can you please speak about the mom shoulder? Ha ha, reaching your arm back to give a baby something in the car seat, like ouch. And how can I help get it back to feeling better? Obviously stop that movement, but what's going on in there when we reach back like that and how can we correct? Um, Whether or not you're a mom, a lot of people do this, right? You have something in the back seat, you turn, and you have the chair kind of blocking how the rotation of your thoracic spine. And so you, it, what you're doing is really overextending your shoulder and it's pulling on the tendons of the rotator cuff. And they are, you're not really positioned to pick something up well in that in range of motion. Um, plus you're kind of semi not facing forward You've turned a little bit, but not enough the thoracic spine, and it's challenging. Now, if you have a baby back there, you like the first thing I would say to people is get out of the car, open the door, and get whatever you're going to get. Like it's, it sounds so dumb. It took me a while. Like I remember doing that one time when at the studio, I'd be just kept going. I was like, wait, how about if I just kept it in the back seat, got out of the car, and went around and picked it up, like you know, and didn't burden my shoulder in a I don't want to say vulnerable, like, oh, it's going to pop out, but it's just not well supported. And then you add load at the distal end of your hand. It, it's You're going to feel it in your shoulder, especially over time. So if you have a baby in the backseat, it's a little different. Uh, try and get your baby all equipped <laughs> before you, so you don't have to do that because you can, that repetitive motion will create that repetitive strain. Um, and it's not necessarily like, you're imbalanced. It's just the movement is is awkward and it's putting your shoulder in a very 
end range of motion where it's not very stable. Yeah. And, you know, especially depending on, you know, what stage of the baby's life you're in, you're, if you're in those early stages and you're breastfeeding, so your breasts are bigger than they usually are, you're carrying a baby. My God, the car seat, right? Oh. The car seat is like tractioning your shoulder. I mean, strongly for months on end, you are bending over to pick up, you're feeding, you're nursing. So we're in this rounded position and we have all those hormones that are loosening everything up anyway. I mean, I think it would not be unfair to assume that a lot of women develop hypermobile shoulders just in those, especially if you're breastfeeding, um, you know, just in those first X number of months of um having a newborn. And then, yeah, we are always in a hurry. Like you said, I do this. I, you know, reach yeah. back. I'm just, you know, we're just in a It's quick, automatic. It's like, quick, done. we yeah. don't even think about it. Yeah. But um, it's just those first few, maybe six to nine months when that baby's getting, you know, heavier is, it's just a tough time. So like you said, I mean, she said, don't do it. Like you said, just get up and get, you know, get out. But you know, you can develop when you get a little hypermobile in that shoulder, you can develop some inflammation underneath the joint. And then you're spending a lot of time here. And then all of a sudden going into this hyperextended position and externally rotated position, it's just not used to that. And, um, you know, so doing your due diligence of strengthening your shoulder girdles, whether it's in, you know, we've got a lot of great postnatal lit st uh, stuff on lit daily that will just naturally get you into stabilizing those shoulders, working on your posture, getting that chest up as much as you can to combat how rounded you are all the time. And I mean, yeah, bottom line is that chair is not going to let you go. You aren't going to be able to utilize all the great thoracic rotation stuff we do in lit yoga that would, you know, help take it out of your shoulder. But just, I think the good news is, you know, like you're saying, I know this is not right. So just being made aware, education is key. Learning, ah, I shouldn't do that, or maybe that's not the best way to do it, is the first step. And then just remembering to do that as much as possible will dr dramatically decrease that sensation and that discomfort. Yeah. And the other thing I'll add is, you know, Think of like, okay, the baby's crying instead of immediately just doing it, maybe pull over and turn with the opposite hand and actually turn your body and hand it. You know, think of like, oh, if I had an injury, even if you don't really, it's bothering you. You don't want to, you don't want to like douse it with gasoline. So just take the time, wait till a stoplight. If they're really screaming, can you pull over and then at, take care of you as you go and take care of the baby? Um, sometimes we don't think of those. It's like so... I know being in a car with a screaming baby is there's probably not, nothing more unnerving. Um, but it doesn't mean you even like if you're running late, who cares? Just pull over, give yourself time because mamas, you got to take care of you. You got to take care of you, especially in those, like Kristen was saying, those first nine months, especially if you're nursing, you're, you've got looser ligaments and, and you just really don't want to add anything beyond the sleep deprivation and all the other things going on. So let us know, Danielle. Uh, we have one final question, unless you had one, but this is I from, do, we can go okay. yeah. this is from Una. Mm. It might be a short answer because this is not an area I'm really as familiar with. Um, she has a question for us about cupping mm -hmm. when, why, and where thanks. So cupping is referring to cupping therapy. It's like an ancient form of alternative medicine where 
you get these like hot glass specialized cups on the body and then it the it creates a suction force to when you pull the cup off because you've got heat and the heat is supposed to draw the blood flow up and then you pull the cup away and it's like it's trying to you know rush in blood to a restricted area so a fascia was restricted or something like that and you know a lot of people um love it i've done it um some people might not be able to handle the the feeling of it because it is quite warm. I mean, they're literally lighting fire <laughs> to get to, to get the um, heat um, in the glass cups. Uh, some people love it. If you've ever seen anybody that has all these big round circles on their back uh, where the blood came up and lift like it looks like a tattoo thing and it, stay, it can stay there for a while. And the theory is the kind of rosier and denser and richer that red is, the more that you needed uh, blood flow in that area, there was more restriction. There, as far as I know, there's not a lot of research to support it, but that's always the case with these ancient practices, okay? Acupuncture doesn't have a lot of research that supports it, even though we know anecdotally, and some some research has shown, that it can, um, there's there's a lot of good in it. I would say, what do you think you need it for? Have you talked to somebody else who's had it? Is it just a trend like you would do once? Like if you're going to do it once, what, is that going to do anything for you? Um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't have an answer. Um, I have done it. There's a wonderful, beautiful local woman who did it and does it. And, you know, I would say the experience of just being around her energy was probably even more healing than the cupping thing, right? Um, and for me, again, I don't have a lot of restrictions or imbalances or myofascial tightness. So I don't know the impact it might have for somebody who does. Do you know, yeah. want to comment? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I do have cups and mine are not the heated. Mine are actually suction where it's a bunch of different sizes. And, you know, I determine how much I pull up. So it's not there. Uh, it's not a science by way of fire. It's just a science by way of how much like you're pumping up a tire pump. Um, and I mean, anecdotally, I've seen people really like it. People who are, like you said, restricted fascially. I mean, you know, that feeling when you just feel stuck and stiff, it just lifts the skin. And in theory, yeah, it's getting blood flow to the area. It's opening up the lymphatics. Um, I can think of, you know, certain clients off the top of my head who, let's say, had um, surgery in an, in an area that really had a lot of scar tissueing. And, and, and it, I didn't do it around the surgical site, but further away where we talk about that fascia gets pulled all the way along. So how can we get a lift? Um, it's not something that you would do long term. I think, again, it's a tool in the toolbox where it would be, I could put those cups on. Now I could spend the time and do a lot of soft tissue work myself, or I could put the cups on while I'm doing something else to them. It was kind of a, an extra set of hands to, to, to get the, a similar benefit. Some people swore by it. Some people didn't think it helped at all. But to your point, you could tell when, when someone was really restricted, we see this with soft tissue work as well the body just lights up. And I mean, it, it is, it is, you get these bruises. Um, 
they're basically like hickeys. <laughs> on, yeah, on it the, does. It looks yeah. like you got a lot of hickeys. It looks like a big hickey. Um, but and then if if they're if it's not really restricted, the soft tissue just kind of goes right up in that vacuum, and there's it's nice and pliable, so it doesn't get that that traumatic. I hate to call it traumatic, but it's kind of traumatic response of the of the bruise. But it it really can highlight where people are restricted, and then it can help guide your treatment if you you know if you want to then follow up with some active you know, movement in that area. So, you know, it's a great tool in the toolbox for any type of practitioner who has been trained in these. I love that because I think that is the bottom line. It's that we do not give enough credit to the placebo effect, whether, you know, there's no actual way to prove this does or doesn't work. It's, I mean, it's all subjective. A lot of research is subjective. So when people are research-based only, they really are missing a, the, all the colors. And on the flip side of that, somebody who's really, I don't want to say gullible, but that is easily influenced might go out and try everything and spend a lot of money. And there's a lot of, you know, kind of snake oily stuff that could be not doing anything at all. But even so, if you think it works, they've given people, I'm reading an amazing book. I'll, I'll keep all of you posted on it. But it really is about the power of the placebo effect that even when, you know, some doses of medicine were given to a child that were a placebo effect and the child, this was with autism, the child's behavior changed, and all that changed. And guess what? The parents anticipated that the pill was going to help. That's how powerful the placebo effect. It actually went the placebo effect of how the parents responded impacted the child. So it's the cautionary tale is obviously the more we know that the placebo effect works and that there's lots of modalities that, you know, you could just spend five hundred dollars doing something that isn't really necessarily physiologically helping you. But if it makes you feel like it's helping you, there's a lot of value in that. So I just, I don't want to go on a big tirade there. I just want to say, KB and I both, I mean, we went to PT school. We're very science-based, but we also acknowledge the power of many potent modalities that do not have research-based, peer-reviewed, comprehensive stuff behind them because maybe nobody's done it, (laughs) you know? And it's subjective. It's subjective. Yeah, Exactly. All right, right. so if you guys have any questions about any of this potions and lotions and all that, you know, people ask me about the the fascial blaster all the time. And I'm like, hey, I I can't tell you if you if it feels good to you. But to your point, you don't just do that. You got to do the other things. You have to move. You have to strengthen. You have to balance. This is just the anything that is passively done to you is never enough. Never. So. That could be our ending point. But write us with any fun questions, support at letyoga.com, Instagram messages. Uh, You can find me at laura.hyman. And you can find me at kbwilliams99. As always, we're pulling for you. 